0: What if I told you that covenants with God could change your life forever? Most people don't really understand what a covenant is or how it can benefit them. Covenants are agreements between two or more entities or people, but the most important covenants are the ones we have with God. Because with God, all things are possible. In this series of teachings, Pastor Nee helps us understand what covenants are, why do they exist, and what are the different types of covenants. So let's take a journey through the Bible as we discover the power of covenants. Hallelujah. We are alive. God is good all and all the time. If you believe, I give a Lord a hand. Amen. And so, Father, we thank you so much for our time together. We pray that you will help us, grant us understanding to your word, and we ask that you will empower us to live here not the same way we came. May the power of your covenant revolutionize our lives and change our perspective for good in Jesus' name. Amen. So we've been on this journey of uh, the power of covenants for some time now. Uh, we'll wrap up next week by God's grace. Uh, it's been, I don't know about you, but I've been enjoying myself. And uh, <laughs> We, we Last week, we considered uh, a suzerain type of covenant, which is between a suzerain and a vessel, in this case, between God and Abraham, and the applications of that covenant to us. Uh, today, we'll look at a parity covenant, an example of a parity covenant, and in particular, we shall discuss the covenant between David and Jonathan and then we shall infer from there uh, lessons that apply to us. I just want to um, cap something that I left off hanging uh, from last week, and then we shall go into the message today. Uh, Last week, I did say that there were three mitigating conditions against Goliath when he met with David. How many of you remember that? I gave two, and I forgot one. Uh, my attention was drawn to it, so I want to add that to it, and then we shall proceed. I did say that first of all, uh, we went to 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse one, and I did mention the fact that there was a boundary of blood that held the Philistines at bay that ensured they could not move beyond that point. So their movement was uh, restricted to where they were. Aren't you glad to have a God that puts a cap on the enemy? That it does not matter how hard he tries, he cannot come near you. Such an amazing God. And it was not the first time he's done that. When Pharaoh's army was running after the uh, Israelites, the Bible says that the Lord God himself, he reached out and took the wheels of their chariots. It's in your Bible. So that they could not pursue them. They drove heavily. We serve a mighty God. It's a good point for you to shout amen. Hallelujah. So that was number one. Point number one, the boundary of blood. And the point number two I did mention was the fact that The Philistine giant, Goliath, was not a man of covenant relative to David. David said, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? In other words, I have a covenant with God. He does not. So advantage, moi. All right? So that was number two, and that's where I left it. There's a third one. And the third one is the fact that David could not possibly have been killed by Goliath. Because he was to be the father of Jesus. Matthew 1:1, 1, 1, the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of. So if he is going to be the son of David, if David if, if Philistine, the Philistine giant, terminates him in that battle, the plan of God is kaput. but the plan of God will never be kaput. So Goliath had lost even before the battle began. That is the power of covenants. On Moriah, when Abraham was told by the angel that do not do that, turn around and look, and he did. I told you that Moriah and Golgotha is within an eye shot. Jesus makes reference to that in John chapter number 8. From 56, it said, Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he was glad. That's 56 of John 8. 57, so then the Pharisees said, you are not even 50 years old, yet you say, Abraham, our father, rejoiced to see your day. Then verse number 58, Jesus actually then totally offloads on them. For before Abraham was, I am. (laughs) There are two Greek verbs in that verse 58. Was and I am. The verb was is the Greek ginomai. Ginomai means to come into existence. To come into existence. Can we all say that? But I am is ego I me. We first see that in Exodus chapter 3. When God encountered Moses, the burning bush, remember the story? And he said, who should I say sent me? And God said, I am that I am. In the Septuagint, Septuagint is the Latin translation of the Hebrew Bible. When they came to Exodus chapter 3 and came to let Pharaoh know that I am, that I am, sent you, they translated it, I am, I am. Ego, your ego is the center of yourself. So that's ego. I, me, is me. So I am, I am, is how they translated it. Jesus takes that language. And then in John chapter 8, verse 58, he said, Before Abraham Ginomai, or before Abraham came into existence, I have always existed. Amen. Amen. Because ego e means always existed. So Abraham rejoiced to see my day. All right? Parity covenant. 1 Samuel chapter 18. First Samuel chapter 18, we want to read from verse number 1 to 4. And then we shall take off. How many of you are ready to take off? This one is not Ghana Airways or Nigeria Airways. It's proper Holy Ghost Airlines. Amen. The kind that lifted Philip from where he was. And within a twinkle of an eye, he was somewhere else. It's the Holy Ghost Airlines. Amen. All right, please, can I have the scripture? 1 Samuel chapter 18, from verse number 1 to 4. And it came to pass, thank you very much, when he had made an end of speaking unto Saul, that the soul of Jonathan was kneed with the soul of David, and David loved him as his own soul. Two, and Saul took him that day, and would not let him go no more home to his father's house. Then Jonathan and David made a covenant, because he loved him as his own. Four. And Jonathan stripped himself of the robe that was upon him, and gave it to David and his garments, even to his sword and to his bow, and to his ghetto. Let's go to three. And then D- Jonathan and David made a covenant. I like to flip it. David and Jonathan. For the simple fact that it rhymes for me better. And the revelation I caught this morning when I was praying. I like to share with you. You know, I titled the covenant between David and Jonathan. The beloved Gift of God. The meaning of David is beloved. And the meaning of Jonathan is the gift of God. So when you combine the two, that parity covenant is the gift of God. The beloved gift of God. And it has implications for us today. In verse number four, certain things happen there. And I want to expatiate on that. And Jonathan stripped himself of the robe that was upon him, gave it to David and his garments, even to his sword, to his bow, and to his girdle. Leave that there for a minute. In the ancient Near East, when people enter into covenant, there are certain things that take place or they do to initiate the covenant. Some is what is here, the exchange of ropes, the giving away or exchange of weapons, the exchange of belts. It is a common practice in Asia Near East. What is the implication for us? Jonathan stripped himself of the rope that was upon him. The robe of Jonathan signifies his position. His position. You have to understand. Jonathan was in line to becoming the second king of Israel. After his father. Pastor, you know, disobedience is very deadly. Had it not been for the hard-headedness of Saul, in disobeying the command of God to completely annihilate and exterminate the Amalekites, it is altogether possible that the kingship in Israel would never have jumped to Judah. It's possible it would have remained in in Benjamin. But in 1 Samuel 15, when Samuel went there, he told Saul something. He said, because of your disobedience, the kingship has been taken away from you and it has been given to a neighbor of yours. Jonathan was in line to becoming the second king after his father Saul. But when he entered into the covenant with David, he took the robe that signifies his position and authority as the next in line and give it to David. Because he recognized the next move of God. Amen. Time will fill me to expatiate on the sadness of his realization. Because although he realized that. He lacked the conviction of his will. To follow through all the way to joining forces with the new move. In fact, he said so much. In 1 Samuel chapter 23 from verse number 17, he says, I know the kingdom is with you and my father knows I am with you. In other words, I am going to join forces with you one day, but just hold on. Unfortunately for him, that was the last time he and David spoke until he and the old movement were killed together. Procrastination will have a way of depriving you of what belongs to you. It is said that procrastination is the thief of time. But not only is he the thief of time, it is also the grave of opportunities. It will bury all your opportunities. May the Lord grant you conviction to follow through on everything he has taught you. So he took his robe and gave to him. The robe signifies what? His position. And then the Bible also said he gave him his garment. The garment stands for his possession so he gave him his position and also he gave him his what possession in the bible old and new testament this imagery is very rampant in genesis 41:14 we are told that pharaoh requested to see joseph and when he made that request the first thing that joseph did was to shave and to change his robe. May our robes be changed today. Not just that, in the New Testament, Mark, the 10th chapter, From verse number 46 all the way to about 5052, the Bible tells us that Jesus was doing ministry around Jericho. And there was a blind man by the name of blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus. And the Bible says as he heard the commotion, he asked the question, what is happening? And they said, Jesus, the son of the covenant protractor of David's lineage is passing by. The Bible said he lifted his voice and he screamed, Jesus! Not just that, but what? Son of... Jesus. Have mercy on me. The critics that were around the throng Jesus said, you better shut your mouth, blind man. He cannot hear you. He is doing ministry for people who are well of you. You are saying what? <laughs> the Bible said, he was not deterred. He cried out them all. Jesus, son of David, have mercy. Can somebody cry like that today? Look at what Jesus would do. He turned around. The critics that told him that he should shut up, Jesus told them, go and call him for me. At the end of the day, the words of your critics don't matter. If Jesus says yes, who can say no? He is going to elevate you that them that look down upon you will look up to you. So they went to blind Barthemius and said, the master is calling you. What did he do? The Bible said he changed and threw away the garment that he had because he knew he was about to have contact with a new covenant. Change his role. What's the implication for you and I? Colossians chapter 3. Colossians 3, please. From verse number 8 to 10. Colossians 3, very quickly. Colossians 3. But now ye also put off all these anger. Just like Blambertimius threw away the stuff he did not want. Throw away anger. That word put off there, I looked it up. It means, it is the Greek is apotitheme, And it means to take off a set of filthy clothes that is no longer useful. Anger is no longer useful. Wrath is no longer useful. Malice is no longer useful. Blasphemy is no longer useful. Filthy communication is no longer useful. It says... Throw them away, put them off. It continues, verse nine. Lie not one to another, seeing that ye have what? Put off, put off. Apotate me, put it off. But I like verse number ten. When you put something off, you must put something on, right? Verse number ten. But have what? Put on the new man. Glory to God, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created. This sounds good to me. It is even better in the message translation. Listen, those of you who have made your mind, you don't want to wear any designer clothes. Don't worry, you are in business. You are wearing designer clothes already without knowing. Oh, yeah. Give it to me in a message. Verse number nine. Start from nine. Don't lie to one another. You are done with that old life. It's like what? A filthy set of ill-fitting clothes. You stripped off and put where? In the fire. Now this is where the designer clothes is coming. Verse number 10. Now you are dressed in a what? New wardrobe. Say new wardrobe every item of your new way of life is what custom made by the creator with his label on it all the old-fashioned are now obsolete give a lord a hand in this place somebody is sitting here whether you bought your thing from mrs or from from thrift store or from goodwill you are wearing spiritual gucci hallelujah You did not have to buy it, he gave it to you and he put it on you with his label on it. Yeah. Our money has nothing on this. Yeah. This is called heavenly label. Yeah. Whether I am wearing my Shanti Kente or not, yeah. it has got the label of heaven on it. One matter came out, heavenly label. Yeah. Glory to God. This is verse number 8, 9, and 10, especially 8 and 9 and 10, is what gives us the theological term double imputation. 2 Corinthians 5, 21 says, God has made him to be what? Sin, who knew no sin, that through his righteousness we might be made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. What's the double imputation? Jesus did not only die for you, His death for you takes the penalty of your sin away because he died as you. That's one imputation. But before he died for you, he also lived under the law and he followed the law without sinning one time. That's why the Bible says God has made him to be seen. Who knew? No. How about Hebrews 4, 15 then? Now you should understand. For we have not a high priest that is not touched by the feelings of our infirmities. He was at all points tempted, like as we are, but without sin. How about Peter? Peter says, His blood is without blemish. Hebrew will tell you, He has loved righteousness and hated iniquity. So before He died, He lived. And because he was born under the law, he lived under the law and fulfilled it perfectly. He got righteousness through a perfect obedience to the law. And then he gave you that righteousness that he got. So the double imputation is gives you his righteousness and then takes away the penalty of your sin. You need to give Jesus a hand <laughs> in this place. All right, back to 1 Samuel 4. 1 Samuel 4, 8, 18, 4. 18, 4. 1 Samuel 18, 4. He also gave him his sword and bow. Those are his weapons. Those signify an exchange of enemies. You better be shouting on this one. In other words, David, if anybody want to mess with you, the first must come through me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. What is the implication for you and I? In Exodus chapter 14, verse 13 and 14, the Bible says and God told the Israelites something. He said, "Fear not for the Egyptians you see today." When you say no more you are having mercy on them. When God listen, the enemy that is pursuing you is, is God's enemy that's not what he said for the Egyptians you see today you shall see them again no more forever that's complete and total annihilation why? 14 for the Lord will fight for you and you will hold your peace 2 second chronicles 2015 jehoshaphat this confederacy is coming after him he goes into fasting and prayer the lord speaks to him and said jehoshaphat that's second chronicles 2015 he said i'm saying to you jehoshaphat and to judah this battle is not yours for the battle is the lord you don't need to be afraid the battle is not yours why because these enemies are my enemies i'm in covenant with you How about Psalm 46 verse 10? Be still and know that I am God. So you see, when you read the imprecatory prayers of David in the book of Psalm, like Psalm 68, you should now understand where the man is coming from. He understands the power of covenants that anybody who wants to be his enemy has made himself an enemy of God. And so in Psalm sixty-eight, one, he said, "Let God arise, and His enemies—not my enemies, His enemies—because you want to be my enemy, you have become the enemy of God. His enemies be what? Let God arise; them that hate Him, let them flee from before Him." He goes on to say, "As smoke is drifting before the wind, so drive them away." And as wax, fire melts before the, I mean, wax melts before the fire. So melt them away. Do you see yourself in there? He's now making you his battle axe. Because the battle is now for him. Your enemies are now his enemy. As smoke is driven before the wind. You have the nature of the wind. Huh? John chapter 3. The wind blows where it listed. No man knows where it comes from or where it goes. What did he say? And so is every man that is born. Ah, you have the nature of the wind to drive away every smoke. Because your enemies are God's enemies. You can understand in imprecatory prayers now. Amen. Let's go on. Then he talked about his ghetto. Ghetto is the belt that holds all, you know, like the sheriff or the policeman in the U.S. When they show up, they have all kinds of things, pepper spray, all kinds of things. (laughs) That's a ghetto. It holds weapons and stuff. He gave it to him. That is an exchange of strength. It signifies his strength. Glory to God. Isaiah 40, 31. Them that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as an eagle. They shall run and not be weary. They will walk and they will not faint. May the Lord grant us the strength of the eagle in the name of Jesus. Jonathan endured shame from his father because of this covenant. The father tried to turn and twist his mind. That's why it is so tragic that he never fully entered into the new with David. But David will take care of him later. Because Saul, his father, tried to shame him. When I was reading my Bible and preparing this, I said, Saul so has got to be a Garman. Gar- I'm a Garman, okay? It's a tribe from Ghana. Let me explain these things to you, those of you who don't understand. Ghana people, we come from Accra. They are known for one thing, or a few things. They like to fight. Even if you are beating a Gunman, he says, when I get up, I'll beat you. <laughs> that, that, <laughs> it, is, it is no coincidence that all the world... Acclaimed boxes that have won world titles that come from Ghana are Ghana people. As Zuma Nelson, uh, I quote him: They are all Ghana people. All right, that's one. The second one is they can insult proper, and the kind of insult they give you is not is is you can't print it. You understand that kind? Western than a fisherman's insult. When I was reading my Bible and read some of the things that Saul was calling his son, Jonathan, because of the covenant, I said, ah, Saul has got to be a garment. Yeah. Absolutely. You want to know why? I said it's imprintable or unprintable, but the Bible printed it for our own reckoning. 1 Samuel chapter 20. Verse 30 to 33. I did not say it. The Bible did. You want to see it? All right. You said so, not me. 1 Samuel 20. Verse 30 to 33. Let's go, please. KJV. It's worse in the message. So you, the KJV is, is more mellow. Then Saul's anger was kindled against Jonathan. Because now he realized that Jonathan was shielding David from his wrath and assault. His anger was kindled against Jonathan, and he said unto him, thou son of the perverse, rebellious woman. <laughs> if this is not a man talking, I don't know who. <laughs> it is worse in the message translation. That one you can read at home. This is church. We can, it's Bible, but we can't read it. Do not I know that thou hast chosen the son of Jesse... To die that thou hast chosen the son of Jesse to thy own confusion and unto the confusion of your mother's nakedness. He is a he a man on steroids. If Covenants do not have any meaning or power to Jonathan. After this insult, he would have changed his mind. What was his response? He went to David. Look at verse number 42. First Samuel 20, 42. He went to David. Give me 42. And look at what he's telling David. And Jonathan said to David, go in peace. For as much as we have sworn both of us in the name of the Lord, saying, the Lord is between me and you, and between my seed and your seed forever. And he arose and departed, and Jonathan went into the city. How about 1 Samuel 23, 16 and 18? 1 Samuel 23, verse 16 and 18. Look at the response of Jonathan. What are his actions? What are his words? And Jonathan Saul's son arose and went to David into the wood and strengthened his hand in God. 17. And he said to him, fear not, for the hand of Saul, my father, shall not find thee, and thou shalt be king over Israel. He knows. You see what I was telling you guys earlier on? And I shall be next unto thee, and that also... My, saw so my father knoweth in other words he knows I know that you are the new move of God I am to come to you but you give me a little time because of sentiments give me a little time I want to apply a little more diligence you wait he kept arguing with him and his conscience and he hung out with the old until he perished with the old what a tragedy verse 18 this is the very last act between them. There is no more record of the two of them meeting again until news was broken to David in 2 Samuel 1 that Jonathan, his two brothers, and their father had been killed by the Philistines. Look at it. And they two made a covenant before the Lord. And David abode in the wood. And Jonathan went to his house. He should never have gone to his house. He did not push through the power and the significance of the covenant to the end. What is it that you must do that has eternal ramifications and consequences, not only for you, but for generations yet unborn? Yet procrastination, sensibilities, and sentiment is holding you back. They said time and tide. Hallelujah. Jealousy is the ugliest of all human virtues. Jealousy. And that is what it is. Saul up. In First Samuel eighteen nine. First Samuel eighteen nine. As I begin to bring my message to a close, First Samuel eighteen nine. Just take the first four words, and saw eyed. This kind of eye <laughs> that's jealousy. That is a kind of eye that looks at you, you see the person, and you know that this is some sadistic side that is boring into your very soul. Contrast that. To another soul in the New Testament, somebody did something for him. Acts nine twenty seven. This is so beautiful. Acts nine twenty seven. We're going to see the first four words again. But Barnabas took him. In Samuel, it said, "And saw so eyed." What is the context here? This is regarding another man called Saul of Tarsus. You know, all the souls come from Benjamin. That's why in Philippians chapter 3, when he was giving his resume, the first thing he mentioned, after he had said that he was circumcised on the eighth day, you can't take the circumcision business away from them, you know because that is the point of contact with the covenant that that God has with them. Circumcised on the eighth day. He is an Israelite of the tribe of a Hebrew of Hebrew. You know who I am? It's not the tribe of Benjamin. It is that Saul. Who has now been converted when Jesus confronted him on the road to Damascus? He now makes his way to Jerusalem. He finds out where the disciples meet. So he's trying to, as it were, acquaint himself with them. When the disciples saw him, they said, no, no way. This guy is coming to get us. He has never repented. I don't care what testimony you say he has. We are never going to associate ourselves with him. Barnabas, son of consolation. The Bible said, but Barnabas took. Are you a Barnabas today? Or you are a Saul? Are you eyeing somebody or you are taking somebody? On your journey to the top, are you eyeing people because of what they have and you don't have? Or you are taking somebody along with you? Amen. But pandabas what you have heard today. I, I, I don't want to start on the next one. Uh, lessons from Jonathan's four, because we'll not have time. But let's stand to our feet today. The robe you have is not yours. So when the enemy comes and he wants to challenge you and ask you a question and says that you are filthy and he wants to argue with you, and says, I'm stronger than you are, just point him to the covenant, the blood covenant, and leave him alone. Paul is careful to remind us that there is nothing we have that we were not giving. Sir Christ came to die for sinners, of whom I am chief. When I am weak, Then I am strong. That is because you have exchanged your belt. So you are now walking in the strength of the Most High. Your robe is not yours. It belongs to Him. Why don't you lift up your hands today and begin to thank the Lord for giving you a new robe your old ill-fitting clothes have been dumped into the fire and he has given you a new clothes designer heavenly made designer clothes thank you father thank you for the robe of righteousness that you have given to me thank you that in spite of me you came to die for me oh you have dressed me in a heavenly wardrobe today I thank you I bless you for the power of your covenant that has made me a new person. You've changed my identity. It is no longer I that liveth, but Christ that liveth in me. I want to thank you today. I thank you Lord that my weaknesses have been exchanged for your strength. For when I am weak, then I am strong. I thank you today. I bless you Lord, I bless you Lord, I bless you Lord. Thank you, thank you for your strength. Thank you for strengthening me in the inner man. I thank you today. I bless you Father that my enemies have become your enemies, I thank you, I leave them to you, you can deal with them better, I thank you, that you are preparing a table before me in the presence of all my enemies, you have anointed my head with oil, hey my cup is overflowing, goodness and mercy is following me all the days of my life. And yet though I walk through that valley of the shadow of death, I shall fear no evil. Why? Because Thou art with me. Your rod and Your staff, they comfort me. Thank You. you Thank you Thank You for Your robe of righteousness. 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 You for the robe of righteousness. Thank you for your robe of righteousness. Thank you for replacing my weakness. Thank you for replacing my weakness. In you I am strong. In you I am prosperous. In you I am healthy. In you I am healed. In you I am delivered. That today we have come. We have made a conscious decision. Lord to put out all the ill-fitting sets of filthy clothes and by faith we reach out for the heavenly custom-made garments of righteousness. The heavenly custom-made garment of peace. The heavenly custom-made garment that brings deliverance. The heavenly-made custom garment that protects and shields us. We thank you. We bless you. Thank you. That in spite of the challenges that inundate us, like Jonathan, we shall not waver. We shall be true to the covenant. Yeah. We shall be true to the covenant. We shall be true to the covenant. Yeah. You're the one that says in John 16:33 that in this world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. Be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. Be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. You know the one that said in Psalm 34:19 that many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord is God, delivereth him out of them all because of the power of your covenant. We thank you. When you look at the finished work of your son on the cross, you give us victory. You give us victory. You give us victory. Lift up your hands and thank God now. Just thank him for giving you victory. Thank Thank him for giving you you victory. Thank him for giving you victory. Thank him for giving you the victory. Pray for yourself this week. Thank him for victory this week. Victory on Monday. Victory on Tuesday. Victory on Wednesday. Victory on Thursday. Victory on Friday. Victory on Saturday. Victory on Sunday. Let's worship. Let's worship. Let's worship. Sing to the couple. Go into this week. When you sing that song, just imagine the covenant-keeping God and remember that your enemies, the things that are facing you are His enemies. Sing it to Him. You cannot give God money. He said, if I'm hungry, I won't tell you. You want to thank Him today. Call Him the covenant-keeping God. Call Him into your situation as you sing that song and you go into the week. Tell Him He's a covenant-keeping God train in my situation oh, After me, my father, my father, you are a covenant keeping God. You are a covenant keeping God. You keep your covenant from generation to generation, generation to generation. God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, you so abide by your covenant. You took the name of the people you have a covenant with today. As I go into the coming week, I exalt your name, O covenant keeping God. I exalt your name, O covenant keeping God. I thank you for the covenant of protection. I thank you for the covenant of provision. I thank you for the covenant of peace. I thank you for the covenant of your providence. I bless you today. I thank you. Covenant keeping God. Yes. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory. 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 Yes. Covenant keeping God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We're yes. going to share the grace now. <laughs> yes. You know, sometimes we God. Zachariah, the father of John the Baptist, doubted God. When God said, your condition is about to be changed, so God zipped his mouth. When the miracle happened, and finally his mouth was opened, Luke 1, 17, he said something. He said, the Lord has remembered the covenant which he made unto Abraham. May God cause you to know that he remembers his covenant. May he heal you. May he touch you. May he provide for you. May he elevate you. May he protect you. In Jesus' name.